Hey, welcome to the Tradies Success Podcast. If you're loving the podcast, we'd love to help you start, scale, or automate your tradie business. We help everyone from startup all the way up to $1 million plus months, and would love to be able to help you too. So click the link in the show notes if you're interested in getting some support and joining an epic community of legends in the academy. We'd also appreciate if you're loving the podcast to leave a review. It helps us reach more people and help more tradies like you run successful businesses. All right, let's get into it. Hey guys, I'd love to introduce you to Paul Shepard. He's a, a serial seven-figure entrepreneur that combines science and spirituality to crack the code of fulfillment. Pleasure having you here, Paul. Thanks, Craig. Well, glad to be here and uh, looking forward to the conversation see how it goes. Yeah, man. Like this fulfillment piece for me and all of our clients is a huge one. And I'm really excited to be chatting to you today around how can we live a more fulfilling life as we grow our trading businesses um, and uh, businesses in general, if, it, if it's a non-trade, and how do we live a life of fulfillment while we're growing a business? Because a lot of people think, I've got to grow the business to a certain size, then I'll live the life. Or I have to work and save for retirement, then I'll live a fulfilling life. And um, I'd love to just shatter that concept and really bring it back to you can live a fulfilling life from today if you can just choose to um, and see how important you are and the journey is that you're you're going through right now so um i'd love to to speak a little bit around that um concept and how you feel people get sucked into this uh living in the future sort of thing absolutely man um maybe i'll give it a bit of backstory then because just to tie this in and make this relevant so uh i wasn't always doing what i'm doing you know i started out my, my parents had a demolition business right so call that trade if you like arborist yeah. demolition it's not necessarily tradie but it's close enough you know, yeah, and I didn't, I didn't have uh, this desire to do it. It was pretty easy to step into dad's business and just scale that and, and do different things with it with a different perspective. But I just knew there was more. I just mm. felt that there was more that I had to do. You know, and I and I, you know, within a couple of years of stepping out of that business with my with my parents, I had my first other company, which was a security company, and um, you know, offered millions of dollars in contracts, but couldn't sleep at night thinking, "Hang on a second, this is going to give me all the money in the world." but it's not going to give me the fulfillment because this isn't what you know, running nightclubs in red light districts isn't exactly something mm. I'd be proud of. And I'd probably get mixed up in a crowd that you know, wouldn't lead down a good route and yeah, there'd, there'd be no legacy in that for me. So there's a lot of things that came up during that those offers to step into my dad's business and have the easy route but not be fulfilled, run a security company doing things that I wouldn't be so proud of, and I had this internal conflict going on. And this conflict was, you know, I need money to be happy, but in actual fact, money wasn't going to make me happy. So there was this dichotomy, there's this contrast. And then what I figured later in, in life was that, you know, I need money to give me options, but it's, but it's not going to fulfill me. And very early on in my 20s was when I figured out, okay, I need to find fulfillment. Like, who the hell am I? What am I here for? And that's why I've had a really crazy career and, and different, you know, things I've done over the last 20 year, odd years from small business through to, you know, working in corporate, uh, time in the military, and just finding, you know, a lot of stuff that I've invested in. So I've probably spent half a million bucks on, on personal development and coaching to try and figure out who the hell am I, you know, what am I here for? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I was lost. I'll be honest. I was, I was totally lost, didn't know who the hell I was, knew I was here for something bigger and better than what I'd been programmed for through the education system. And I had family that were you know, academics and, you know, Paul, why don't you go and study this? And why don't you become a lawyer and do this and do that? And it's just like, ah, 
it, it just it's not calling me mm. for other things. So absolutely, man. I think this whole fulfillment piece, this whole trying to find who you are, where you're going to be in flow. That was that was the challenge because the system isn't set up to identify that within you. You know, it's set up to put you in a box and and, and get you down a certain route and get you thinking that this is what life's all about and this is the I guess this is the trap, isn't it? Because we've all, you know, what do they say? Keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. Someone says he's got a bigger car and a bigger house and kids go to this school and, you know, but, but that's a, that, that's the trap because we're always comparing. Mm. So um, it hasn't been easy going through that until I sort of reached my sort of mid thirties realizing, oh, hang on a second. Okay. I'm, I'm here for something different. And mm. now I'm at peace with that. So the biggest thing that was a transformation for me was, who the hell is Paul Shepard and what's he here for, right? Mm. And all the labels that were given to us in, in school and any education we've had and through family, it's just about letting go of all that, you know, cutting the cord, <clears throat> the umbilical cord with the parents from their expectations and stepping out and saying, all right, well, that's, that's where the journey begins. So the, I think the fulfillment comes from exploring within and actually starting to understand who you really are and what you were designed to do and, literally just sitting down and mapping out, well, what does that perfect life look like for you? How much money do you need to be happy? That's one aspect of our reality. But then what else is going to make me happy? And how can I sort of leverage that? And I think most of us spend time investing in, you know, whether it's property or finance or some sort of financial um, literacy to, to build that wealth, but we don't really invest a lot of time in ourselves and, and identifying who we are and what we're here for. So that's kind of throwing that out there. And if you want to, steer that down a certain route, go for it. Yeah. I'd love to hear how, so you said in your uh, mid thirties, you started to realize that I needed to cut the cord and I, you started to change your thinking about who you were and what did that process look like for you? Like when did that, what was the moment where you went, this isn't right, something's not right. What did that look like and the steps you took to, to be in more alignment with your true self? It was a lot of, um, a lot of failures, man. <laughs> I had a few businesses where I've lost everything a couple of times, right? And that hurts, you know, betrayals in business and relationships. And, you know, it's those moments that crack the shell of the ego that makes us stop and surrender and go, all right, well, what the hell, you know, what am I here for? And um, that's the moment that you start to be open to other possibilities and you start searching for things. So I've had coaches and mentors that, you know, have taught me a lot of stuff over the years and, I guess that was the trigger point to say, hey, I, I'm not my parents. I'm not who I am. And we live, you know, however many lifetimes we live. And we never actually, uh, we kind of base our value based on our bank account typically, the status, the job we hold or the bank account. But in actual fact, there is an intrinsic value that we all hold. And this is the, the information particles we collect or the information we collect over every single lifetime. So we can never actually decrease in value. We can only increase in value. And for anyone else out there who's actually lost whether it's investments or lost a business or had some sort of financial hardship, that was the biggest struggle I had to overcome was that I felt worthless because I'd lost everything and I had to start from scratch. But um, being steered back to, well, hang on a second, there was a lot of lessons in that process as well. In other yeah. words, I've actually increased my value. I've increased my information. I've increased my wisdom. Don't look at the bank account. Look at what I've learned from the process. And that was, that was the key takeaway. So, Building upon that, it's just like, ah, right, okay. So if I can actually gain more wisdom and learn more things and learn faster and find out the best teachers and, you know, seek more knowledge, then I'm, I'm actually increasing my, my self-worth constantly. Mm. So yeah. it's a paradigm shift and you think, well, okay, well, at some point you've got to be able to translate that into a better life for yourself and your family. 
And uh, that's what's happened now. It's okay, right. That's helped me unlock who I really am as the starting point by switching the focus on, stop focusing on how many cars or toys or properties I've got, focus on who am I? What have I learned? How do I show up in my relationship? How do I show up in my, you know, with my kids, if I've got kids? How do you show up with uh, your employees or you know, your clients? All those kinds of things, taking responsibility, being authentic. Um, and that actually has an impact on how fulfilled we feel on a daily basis because now we're actually showing up and being totally real as opposed to just being the person that society wants us to be, but being suicidal or depressed or addicted to drugs or whatever it is, you know? So, so that's the, I think that's a big thing that a lot of us men don't talk about, right? It's uh, mm. I think most of us or a lot of us are going through it, but it's not discussed in an open forum. So therefore it's frowned upon, it's taboo, it's, uh, it's not accepted, but that vulnerability of bringing that up is, is powerful. Oh man. I love so many things you said, uh, the transfer of, wealth like in dollars to like lessons or, or knowledge and how sometimes when things fail i always see some of the biggest net loss months that we've had in business as the biggest lessons you know that's when we actually change core concepts within the business and systems that then result in really positive growth in the future but for so long i remember being absolutely debilitated by like a negative 15,000 or negative $25,000 month. And I was like, everything's going to crumble. That's the worst thing ever. And like actually just freak out. Um, and I've learned now to go, okay, that's happened for a reason. What are the systems? Because the other thing is you tend to blame people straight away. It's like you haven't been doing good enough at work. Like pull your head in, do this, do that, like at other people and tend not to blame yourself as well initially because you don't want to feel the pain of this is actually a lot your fault as the director of the business um but looking at it like it's not their fault it's not your fault it's the systems and how can we fix the systems and it takes the the emotional it helps you look at things objectively so i love that your transfer of wealth to knowledge because i think that's really beautiful and the other thing is the vulnerability piece like i really believe more men in particular need to be more vulnerable about what they're struggling with. Um, we see a lot of our academy members that come in are able to say, I don't know everything and I'm struggling or I can learn something from someone else because of that being tr true and honest with themselves. Um, and like you said, that enables you to be able to then reach out to people to access knowledge, which then helps you grow in other ways. So um, I really, really love that you, uh, talked on that then so when it comes to the societal expectations like how do you think men or people in business could stop relating themselves to other people so that they can start to be true to themselves and and actually do the work that's required to grow that's a good question man um and this is part of the journey on on letting go of the ego and connecting with the heart and that was a struggle for me, right? Because mm. I was always in my mind growing up in, a, in, a, in an environment on a construction site and demolition and then, you know, having a security company and then being in the military. It was all, it was all male ego, yeah. um, logic. Masculinity. And that's what killed me, right? That was mm. actually what destroyed me. And, you know, it, it, it's not until you have those losses that it, it breaks the ego down to the, so that you're more open to other things. And, you know, I'll, I'll take a step back just to give an example because I think this is very powerful in terms mm. of, 
the, the lessons, right? Think about you go to a small, small country coastal town and you go to one of the restaurants or the cafes in there. And nine times out of 10, the, the food's average, the service is really average. It's like they've got a monopoly on the town, all these tourist places, right? They're going to get customers regardless. So how good is the food? It's usually terrible. How good is the service? It's usually terrible. How, how's the pricing? It's usually overpriced. But you go to a place where there's a thousand cafes, you're in a hotspot and like Byron's got lots of those places and Sydney, Melbourne, all over the world. And they've got so much competition. It's fierce. And the coffees are incredible. The food's incredible. The service is amazing. The price is fair. But how does it come to be? It doesn't happen unless you've got competition, right? Yeah. So the best way to look at our business and these losses is look at it as competition. These failures force us to become better leaders, better tradies, better um, put better systems in place, have smarter marketing, run a leaner ship so that we're actually not having all this bloat. And it forces us to actually really dial ourselves in. And I think that's part of the, that, that's where I started. When you start focusing on that and start saying, all right, shit, all right, how can I make this better now? I'm being forced to. The market's forcing me to do this. So that's one aspect, looking at this 3D reality saying, right, how can I optimize every aspect of the business and innovate, right? Innovate, do things smarter, look at what the best in the world are doing and bring that into my business. And it needs a bit of, you know, humility and being humble and saying, right, I'm not, I'm not all that. And, and, and having those losses as you've experienced makes you realize that and that's okay. And I'm still working on it, right? There's, we've all got ego, we're always going to have ego, but the, but the more we can remove that and connect with our heart, that's when we start to open up to our, our path in this world. And um, yeah, something I'm working on at the moment. How do you connect to your heart more? Get access to more information, tap into that feminine energy a little bit. And most guys out there will say, well, that's, that's pretty gay, Paul. What do I want that for? But yeah. you know, yeah. what, 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 one of the biggest complaints that I hear with uh, a lot of wives with their husbands is you know, they just don't open up. They don't communicate. They bottle the pressure up. They explode from time to time. They drink, they, they gamble, they do other things and they feel disconnected. And I guarantee you, every man wants to be able to, to let that pressure out. And there's ways of doing that to have those incredible relationships. But we've got to work in our egos too, right? Um, and that's the hard part. If it's hard to tell someone, hey, you know, check your ego, dude, that's not going to work. So I think having what you're doing with this facilitation, these safe spaces that you're holding with men to allow them to actually open up absolutely essential as, as scary and as frightening as, my, as it is that's going to be the key to unlocking another level of wisdom and another level of excellence and another level of high performance within your entire life mm. so I, lo I love what you're doing man i think it's fantastic yeah thank you um i just want to speak on the ego thing because for me for so long especially in the early years of my business there was that um expectation on myself to perform well for the family and what it actually caused was me to not let my wife know when I was struggling because I learnt being a high performer personality type that I'm a performer so I'll, from the outside in everything can look really great but I don't uh, I want to perform for everyone I want to make sure everything's going good and my most important uh, audience member was my wife so the person I didn't want to let down with my performance the most was my wife, which is actually the person I needed to speak to the most because she's my wife. Um, she'd be the safest place. Um, it was just really interesting when I broke that um, and it's like, oh, wow, okay, I can see that I was putting all of this pressure even when we we're like, I, I think we're going to go out of business. I just didn't speak about it. I just worked harder. 
I put more energy into it. I drove myself into the ground, um, which then led to, you know, not being able to handle life and then drinking um, and all of those things. And so that led me down the path of working on my ego uh, after reading Ryan Holiday's book, Ego is the Enemy. That helped me understand ego isn't egotism, which is like, look at me, I'm the fucking greatest. Ego is just you in its purest form. And when I started to understand that, it's like, okay, so what am I telling myself I am? Um, and then I was able to then break down and speak honestly about myself. I could speak to myself. Um, and that's when I started to develop a third person's journaling style where I was speaking to my ego as me. Um, and it was, and even just recently, I felt a little bit lost for a while um, after the move to Byron and, and um, I was able to reread my journals from when a time was good and I'd worked through a lot and it reminded me of the things I needed to do to, to get myself into my best self again. Um, and I was like, I was like 90% good, but then I was still 10%. I'm like, what the hell's wrong? <laughs> like, why can't you just be a hundred percent? Like everything is great. Businesses are going good. Family's great. Got a great house, got cars. Everything's great. Why can't you just be happy? Um, and it was just, just this little thing I had to do and then clicked it back into place and, and off we went. But that started from being honest with myself, which was the hardest thing. <laughs> Absolutely, isn't it? Always the yeah. hardest part. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. we don't want to hear it, right? Yeah. Didn't want, to, didn't want to let myself know that I wasn't doing a good job, you know, and that was the problem. Um, can you speak on that a little bit, maybe around how society has created that in men? Like um, from your experience, what have you noticed in yourself or working with other people around this? What is the reason that they can't be honest with themselves sometimes? They want to just tell themselves they're always doing a good job. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole, it's an interesting topic, isn't it? There's um, there's so many ways we could talk about this. Yeah, there's the whole how society has been constructed as a whole to essentially disable, if you will, or to um, disempower the alpha male in society. And you're seeing this on so many levels from the thought processes through to health, through to, you know, beliefs, through to financials, to everything. So the, mm. the alpha males are disappearing. But you know, if you go back to to what is a strong man? It's not just a guy who's got the masculine energy. It's, a, it's someone who can tap into the feminine as well. And I think that's what a lot of, a lot of guys are scared of. They don't want to be, be labeled as being, you know, a wuss or whatever. Because as we grow up in a male environment, especially, especially if you go to you know, an all-boys school, as a lot of us probably have, mm. you know, you, just, you don't talk about that kind of stuff. It's not accepted. And as, as young men, what, 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 what do young boys do? We make fun of ourselves and, you know, pick on people. And it's all this kind of stupid mm. stuff, right? Yeah. So having that connection to the feminine energy is really powerful, like infinitely more powerful. And when you can actually be honest with yourself and have those conversations with your wife or your female friends, um, that's actually one thing that's helped me is, yeah, I went to an all-boys school and I had a predominantly male environment up until my 30s. Um, I've always had female friends and that helped balance me out. And when you sit there with, you know, you sit there with three, four, five guys at the pub and what they talk about typically versus hanging out with a bunch of girls through different communities and what do they talk about it's it's completely different mm -hmm. some similar things but women are typically more open and they're more conversational about their feelings more expressive and if you just start spending time in that space a little bit more without actually frowning upon it or looking down on it that's actually a big thing 
And um, I mentioned a book I read a while back um, called Extreme Ownership. Have you heard of that one by Jocko Willink? Yeah, Jocko Willink, yep. Yeah, powerful book, right? It's, mm. it's literally saying, you know what, you're fucked up. Own it. And guess yeah. what? That's where the growth comes in. That's where the respect comes from. That's where that was such a powerful book reading through, I think sort of midway through that book, there's a few things that came up and I thought, wow, okay, that's, that's own it and there's the growth. It's not like you, um, but be prepared to, to shed a new skin, so to speak, let go of the old. And it's, it's scary. It's scary going through that process, having to admit you failed or admit, you know, your, your own mistakes, but isn't that what we're all here for? I mean, the definition of, of perfection in, in Japanese is what Kaizen, it's constant improvements every day, but there is yeah, no such thing as a perf- perfect destination. Mm. Yeah, perfection is not a destination. So we have this mixed up idea through Hollywood and through movies and through upbringing that, oh, yeah, you know, once I get the nice cars and the house and the wife and the kids and blah, 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 then I'll be happy. And then guess what? You get all that. And as, as most of you ex- experienced, it doesn't make you happy. Sure, it mm. gives you options and everything else, but- I honestly believe in, in investing in yourself and going through the, the spiritual journey because we are all spiritual beings, whether we like to admit it or not, or whether we're open yep. to it or not. Yep. So you know, I invite people to start looking into the, the spiritual aspect of who they are, why they're here. And part of what I do with, with a lot of people is go through the, their blueprint. You know, what are you actually designed to do? You know, an aeroplane is designed to fly. Some marines designed to go under the water. As soon as you reverse the roles, they're both going to fail. It's like a goldfish trying to fly as a bird. It's going to feel like a loser its entire life. Mm. So it's about recognizing why we're here on this planet and how we can go about that piece of fulfillment. How can we use those gifts to contribute back to the world? Because that's what we're all here for. We're, you know, I believe we're all here to be of service to humanity. And through that, if we're aligned with our highest purpose, then we're going to find fulfillment. Then we're going to have the wealth and we're going to have all these other things that come along with it. But most importantly, we're not going to be ashamed of ourselves. We're going to be proud. We're going to be confident and successful in every area of our life because now we're walking our most authentic life, not just doing something that we think we have to do. And mm. how many you know, extremely wealthy people have you probably heard about that have, have had that epiphany? They've, they've built the wealth. They've got to the pinnacle. And it's just like, oh, shit. <clears throat> um, now I've got to kind of go back to the very bottom and start building up myself from a spiritual aspect and figure out who I am. Mm. So I, th- I think that's a really important aspect and probably, in fact, probably the most important aspect of who we are and why we're here, oh. tapping into that. I love that. Um, so we had a, a expert session a couple of weeks ago in our peak performance program and we were talking around, someone goes, so what is it, like, when did you feel like you were successful? Um, and I was like, do you know what? Like that was... You, you work so hard to get to this point in time which you think is going to be success for you and the truth is you can choose success today. Like you you could be a sole trader today and work and, and feel successful if you choose to. It's like a perception thing. And so I remember the moment when I felt successful for the first time was when I just I said to myself, if nothing else changes for the rest of my life and the company stays the same size, we make the same income, we live in the same house, but I'm a happy husband and father um, and person, then I'm going to be the happiest person in the world Um, because we're not only fulfilling our life, we're paying down our debt on our home loan, we're paying down the debts on the cars that we drive, we're paying um, our staff, 
we're paying our taxes, which helps our society. We're paying all these things as a, as a form of running the business the way it is. And anything else that we get on top of that is a bonus. And ev and then from that moment onwards, it, it, it was just bonus after bonus after bonus. Like things just came so effort effortlessly, you know, and it took the pedal off the metal so that I could actually work on myself. I could be honest with myself and go, do you know what? You need to take a day off today or you need to go swimming or you need to just do some journaling. Not, oh, fuck, I'm, gonna, I'm not at that success point yet. I've got to work hard. I've got to you know, plow. I've got to keep thinking about work every single day. That all goes away when you make the choice to be successful today and everything else is a bonus. And that was profound, you know. That's huge, man. That's really yeah. huge. Mm. And, and, and what's a mechanism? Like a mechanism I found to, to do that is if you're hanging out with a billionaire who's got a luxury yacht and a private shopper and a plane and all the rest of the shit, you're just like, oh, it's, it's always, you're always comparing yourself. So, you know, it's, yeah, sure, we need to have goals. We need to be inspired. But at the same time, if you, if you're always in that environment, you're always going to feel like you're not enough. So I find that surrounding myself with people who are enriched in other areas that I want to build up to, that again, and they're not comparing, like, like stop hanging out with people that are minted in, in, the, in, the, in the billion dollar homes. Forget that. That's not going to make you happy. It's only going to make you feel inadequate, or at least that's how I felt. You know, I felt like, all right, this is great, something to aspire to be and all the rest of the stuff. But I was never happy with what I had because I always wanted more because they had more. But the minute I stepped out of that, I kind of wake up, do the sunrise, go to the beach for a swim, do the work I'm doing. You know, I only have a handful of, you know, close clients that I work with now. Um, have the odd podcast here and there. And I spend a lot of my time working on other projects that I don't get paid for. And, but those projects really fulfill me because I'm actually making a difference in the world. Mm. So sure, I can go and build a multi-million dollar enterprise again and, you know, be stressed out and all the rest of the stuff. But what for? I've actually got a great life. Um, but what's important to me now is how can I actually contribute to a better world for my kids and grandkids and everything else? And, and, and doing that fulfills me. I've got an, enough to have a very comfortable lifestyle, but, you know, what next? You know, I don't, I don't want to go and build millions of dollars of whatever. It's not going to make me happy. Sure, I want more toys, always, right? But, but when, when is enough enough? I get more fulfillment out of having a sense of purpose as opposed to just making money for the sake of money so that I can give half it away to all the pirates out there, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah. So then there's, then there's the guys that are like starting their business and they're like, fuck that. I want to make a million dollars. That's what I want. Um, I, I get it. And that's cool. And there's plenty of people that are going to help you do that as well. I just think the, the, when you, when you take the pedal off the working harder is, is how you're going to get there. I think that's a completely wrong way of thinking about things because for me, I worked hard because there was no one there to help me. Like there was the amount of people I was looking out to. And this was when Google was fairly new as well. Like you'll do your searching. I was like trade coach, electrician coach, not nothing. And then you'd look for just a business coach and the business coach wouldn't really understand the trade industries properly. So I was a bit disjointed and they let you come up with the answers because they just asked you questions and, and you didn't know the answer for a lot of the time. So there are shortcuts to that. And business isn't about working hard. It's about working smart and living a fulfilling life as you do it, which is what we're, what, that's why I'm so passionate about what we do. Um, so in speaking around that, what do people need to start to do when they're in the early stages of business? They haven't felt what 
lots of cash feels like yet. Um, and they might be a little bit ignorant in the sense that they don't know about the taxes that are coming. They don't know about the big bills that just come out of nowhere. Um, they don't know about superannuation that's got to be paid for your staff that you're hiring. Um, and then they sort of come out of nowhere and confuses them and, and then they start to do the work. What could we, what could we say to those people to start to get them just to look honestly at themselves and seek support? I don't know if there's an example that you have that could help those people. Yeah, well, let's unpack that a little bit. I think it's a good mm. point you raised, right? First of all, there's no judgment on anyone who wants to make a lot of money. I mean, good on you, right? Yeah. And if that's where you're at in terms of your consciousness and your goals and your desires and what you feel you need for yourself right now, go for it, right? So mm. the first thing is there's no judgment. I think we should look at everyone in our community is let's not be judgmental, right? Sure, let's let's analyze things and, and whatnot, but let's not judge each other because we're all where we're exactly meant to be. So if you're starting off in your own, your own journey, you want to make 10 million bucks, great. Set off on the journey and go for it. Um, biggest thing I would suggest is just set your expectations right. You know, what you think you can achieve in one year is, you know, is very unrealistic. But what you think you can achieve in three years, you're actually going to achieve a lot more. Mm -hmm. So take a longer-term view on things because that takes the pressure off. So there's a lot less stress. So if you said, all right, well, I want to make $10 million by, you know, let's say in three years from now, that may be an unrealistic goal, may not be. We could, depending how good you are at manifesting, right? Because once you start to tap into the quantum field and you can actually manifest, people might laugh at that, but hey, it's real. And, and it, it's so simple once we get the formula, right? So the biggest thing I found was what, what's your why? Why are you doing it? You know, military, the same thing they used to say is every day through our selection course, you know, what's your why? Because if, you if your why isn't strong enough, you're not going to get through it. Yeah. Same as starting your business. If you're just doing this, to have a flashy car to show off to people, you know, that may not be enough to get you through to have you know, the business or the, or the success you want. So really think about your why. Why you're doing is it is it to have a better quality of life and options and grow as a person and contribute and all these things, or is it just to kind of show off, you know? Mm. And again, there's no judgment for for any of those because that's part of the development phase of where we're all at. Yeah. So think about our why, get our mindset right. Because if you if you think of this as a sprint, you're going to burn out typically. But if we think of this as a bit of a marathon, we're going to actually enjoy the journey along the way. We're not going to be so stressed out. We're not going to burn out as much, as fast. In fact, we may not burn it at all. So, so they're the, probably the two biggest things I can suggest. Think about your why and then actually set your expectations. So get your, men, your mental game in place for a longer-term sprint. And, you know, the current climate right now is, you know, people want to get overseas tomorrow. So they're doing things they probably don't want to do so they can get overseas tomorrow. But guess what? They still have got all the same restrictions. Mm. So it's like if you take a longer-term game and say, all right, well, maybe maybe I'm not going to be able to travel freely again for another three to five years. If you get that mental, I guess, game plan right, then all the stress goes. Sure, it's not pleasant. But now you actually have this expectation around when things are going to potentially improve. So same thing in your business. Have a realistic goal set or go and become a master at manifesting and um, do it in real time, right? So it just yeah. depends what you want. But yeah, get, get, get clear on your why because without that, you know, and this, is, this is something I've explored for, for a long, long time. What's my why? Mm. Um, clear on that now though. Yeah. No, I, we actually, in our first week of our incubator program, which is the first 12 weeks of our peak performance program, we help people go through the foundations of business. But the first session is a vivid vision, future set journal entry. So it's like sitting in the future, looking back on your life and all the things that you've created 
And that's a form of manifestation because you've you've sat in the future, you've seen your own future, you see all the things you have, you see the life you're living, the things that you're doing in your spare time, going fishing, spending time with friends, extra time to take your kids to school and go to school events and stuff if you've got kids. So you've seen that happening and then we go, all right, cool. What do you need to achieve that? Let's work backwards. And a lot of the time people – even when we get them to do activity, they're like, oh, yeah, well, it'd be great to have one more van on the road by then. I'm like, one van? Like, we can do that tomorrow. Like, go and get a lease and get a van on the road tomorrow. Um, so, and a lot of people have unrealistic understandings of like what one van or two more vans or three more vans even, vehicles for their, for their trade or tradies, will bring them in terms of a lifestyle. Um, so they think having two tradies will give them the freedom they need. But then actually two tradies is probably at, at a point where you're like so busy because you're managing everything and wearing extra hats. So it's interesting to actually say, well, let's expand it out to the end of your life and then compress it into like five years because like you said, you're going you're gonna to undershoot your one year and greatly overshoot your three year or your five year. Therefore, let's look at your whole life and compress that down to five. And then in our peak performance program, we say, well, let's just do that in three and we'll help you. Um, and people are like, what? Like what I thought would take me my whole life I can do in three. And we're like, fuck yeah, you can because <laughs> we've got the formula to do it. So, um, but yeah, it helps them go, all right, my whole life. Okay, cool. I've got until like I'm 60, 65. So what am I going to have when I'm 65? What sort of lifestyle? I say, we're doing that in five, <laughs> you know? And they're like, what? All right, cool. That would be awesome. Um, and it just changes the perspective on it all, doesn't it? And um, creates a great amount of energy. And that's the value of the coaching you're providing, Greg, right? You know, you've actually got the formula, but most importantly, you've actually got a network of entrepreneurs that have that are bring, bringing all their skills together. Um, no, no doubt that that's actually one of the biggest value propositions that you actually offer your members is the fact that there's a community mm. and you're all sharing ideas. And I know that you know, this is actually what I do as well. I actually do marketing and ops for a few coaches and the most value that their members get out of it is the sense of community because mm. the entrepreneur who's running that program doesn't have to be leading every single step of the way anymore because what's happening is everyone else is sharing their success stories, their systems. So it's actually a, a collaborative collective approach. And as you said, right, you're going to shortcut your success, not just in the financial goals, but the becoming of mm. who you're really meant to be, why you're really here how to have more balance, you know, all these mm. things that, that we probably don't realise and this is the value of having a coach in different areas of our life. So I think what you're doing is fantastic, man, and if you can help more entrepreneurs, particularly men, find that fulfilment, become better leaders, become better communicators, contribute back more to society, become more financially successful, and typically the financial success is the first goal. We want, we want the success so we can have the time to go, all right, what, what next? That's, that's mm. how I thought at 22. You know, so like, yeah, I can make millions and I'll just retire by 30 and I'll do whatever I want to do. But hang on a second, what do I want to do? Then you're bored. <laughs> That's right. That was because yeah. I actually hadn't expanded my mind enough to go, ah, what am I really here for? Yeah. So I've had 20 years to think about this. So the goals I've got now are, are, are much, much bigger than I ever could have imagined when I was sitting there at 22, couldn't sleep at night because I, I was offered millions of dollars of contracts and thought, I kind of feel like a fraud because I've been offered all this money, came easily, didn't have to work yeah. hard for it. It was all yeah. just manifesting. Um, but that forced me to grow as a person. Yeah. So, um, yeah, everyone's in their own journey, right? And, again, the, the no judgment piece, mm. regardless of where you're at, just that's the, that's the hardest part for a lot of us 
we're always judging. It's it's sort of how we've been brought up in some aspects. Yeah, yeah. That's I, what I I'm particularly focused on in our academy is creating safe places, and I find that more people there's a there's a difference between one on one coaching and small group coaching and large group coaching, um, and then there's a place for even micro grouping, and that micro grouping is where people build friendships. And for me, friendships are the most important thing. If we can build more personal bonds, people become, it's a safer place for them to be like, hey man, you know, if you're in a group with 20 people that you don't really know, for you to go, I'm really struggling, I'm fighting with my wife every night, that's really hard to say in a group of 20 people you don't really know. But if you go into a group of two other people, all of a sudden it's like, this is what I'm really struggling with. And we've facilitated a place of safe, um, you know, open conversation that and and demonstrated and been leaders in that sense of like, I'm going to be vulnerable. All the coaches are going to be vulnerable. And it, we've helped the the long-term um, members be vulnerable as well. Therefore, we've breeded this community of people who are open to what's what it's really like. Uh, therefore, able to teach and learn uh, more valuably, you know, like it's more direct then. And um, I think it's uh, even going to like conferences and seminars and stuff in the past, you just hit with like, yeah, man, you can do this. I, you know, I just did this and I've become super successful now. You don't hear about all the challenges because they're not vulnerable. But if they were just telling the truth, then you're like, okay, cool. Now I know what to look out for. So um. I think that's the true value, like you're saying, the community pieces, but that's facilitating it. And even the friendships, you, you think about what you're providing to men is something they probably don't have with their friendships even. You know, I know most of the guys I know and have known for, for, for 20 years can't have a vulnerable conversation. It's not, it's not manly enough to have a, you know, it's, it's, not, it's, 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 it's gay, it's wussy, whatever it is, even to this day. So... Yeah, my friends have changed dramatically over the last 25 years because of that simple fact. But I can step into a community like what you're offering with your group and we can just get real. And they become your new friends because you've now evolved to a different level. You've now actually got a different level of wisdom, different understanding, whilst your mates are still caught up in the trauma or the belief systems that no longer serve them. Mm. So it's about really challenging your beliefs ongoing. And um, I love the fact that you provide that safe space because how, how liberating does it feel when you come into that and you can just let all the take all the armor off essentially and just get fucking real with yourself. And yep. you know what? Every, every guy who sits there and is, is open to that space and actually is actually connected to their heart is going to go, fuck, okay, this is actually a lot more powerful. Sure, it might, mm-hmm. might break you down, but that's what makes us human. Yeah. And that's what makes us so much more effective in our relationship with our spouse, with our children, with, with everyone, and even our customers. You know, if you can actually have a heartfelt conversation and a connection with your customers and they can see that you're a, you know, you're a genuine, powerful man in the context of being vulnerable and everything else, you know what? Your business is going to thrive. Mm. So that, that's, that's such an understated um, aspect of who we are, isn't it? So I, man, I think that's a very powerful thing what you're doing. Interesting around the, the uh, customer space as well. Like for me, I remember one of the most powerful tools or conversations or strategies i would use when we had a complaint was to call and just say i've heard you've had a a bad experience with one of our staff members could you please tell me what happened and then just to empathize with them you know so they would say like oh yeah he came out 
like no angry like angry on the phone and as soon as they picked up the phone and it was me like they would be like your company this you're this blah, 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 this happened this happened i was like i just want to firstly thank you so much for telling me what happened um you know this is unacceptable um and thank you so much for letting me know because if it wasn't for people like you i wouldn't know how to improve as a company and that my staff were doing such and such or that even if it was my fault like thank you so much i, I wasn't aware myself that that was happening so thank you so much for letting me know and how would you like to resolve this and most of the time I'm like do you know what like this thank you thank you like thank you for letting me just say what's actually happened and you not being defensive about it you know so that's it that's um, what we heard right Mm. And I, let me ask you the question, how many times have you heard that those angry customers becoming raving fans and actually telling other people? I was, yeah, I was about to say, then they become super fans and they're like broadcasting five-star reviews and telling their friends on social media about it. And it's like the actual service was crap, but the way we handled it was next level. So powerful. That's because you've shown up and given them an experience that they didn't expect mm. um, and obviously many other things, but, but that's... I often say this to my clients too. Look at, look at every situation, every interaction as an opportunity to to resolve an issue, to learn, and build a raving fan. And it's it's how often would you actually have that conversation with a customer, unless they've actually had a complaint in the first place? You typically yeah. not going to call them and say, "Hey, you know how, Mister or Mrs. So and So, were you happy with the service?" Yeah, sure, you might do that, but when they actually come up and complain, I had a a customer call up and complain about a product. That I sell online purely as a passion thing. I don't don't want to make any money out of it, but I just do it because it's actually helping people with their health. And he was he was you know he was upset and whatnot, and totally understood. I said, but a very simple two minute conversation changed the whole thing. Mm. Turned into a two hour phone call, and now we're actually working on some other projects together and sharing a lot of information on it. So look at those opportunities, a way to to grow as a person and, and, and build a connection. Because at the end of the day, we all get triggered. We've all got past. Mm traumas from somewhere or we've all had a bad day and um i love what you're doing man hey this um there's i want to dive deeper onto this vulnerability piece because if we look at and break that down even more a lot of the time when you call up a customer and ask for feedback they're not being vulnerable they're not telling the truth they're like yeah no nah, it was all good and then i go off the phone they're fucking shit like i'm never using them again like they're not being honest you know um so i think it's as business owners or as customer service reps, we need to be able to break, we need to be able to create a safe place for our customers to be honest with us as well. Otherwise you don't get honest feedback and you can't grow. Um, so I'm just, um, it's so frustrating that I personally was stuck in that because I couldn't be true myself. And I know so many people still stuck in that. Yeah, everything's great. Like, Nothing, I'm never, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know emotions. Like all, the only emotion I knew was happy. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't admit I was anything other than happy and healthy. So even when I was sick, hungover, like sad, um, angry, I just didn't admit it. And someone would go, oh, how are you? Yeah, yeah, really good, man. Like, how are you? Like, no, I'm not. Like, what are you saying that for? Um, so I think it's a really important thing that people need to face like and learn because it took me probably a year uh, of regular counseling with the I had like a personality coach to count and they were counseling me through 
identifying the actual emotions I was feeling because I'd never been taught how to feel anything other than happy. Um, it's like, don't be sad, stop crying, like just be happy, you know, like my whole life, that's how I grew up. And I, I guess I believed it as well. But then what was happening subconsciously deep down was like a deep, dark, dirty hole. And um, the way that this person used to describe it was you've got this jar in you uh, which fills up with black like smoke in your heart space. And if you are allowing that to build up, it gets darker and darker and darker. And everything you do and say and think comes through that first. So if it's if it's dirty, and which means you haven't let out and actually processed your emotions, and that doesn't mean you have to get angry at someone and shout and whatever. Just for me, it became journaling, you know, writing it down, being honest with myself, and in a safe place, you know, journal. Sure, someone could pick it up and read it, but they don't. Hopefully, <laughs> maybe one day. Um, but like, it's a it's a place that I could write and slow think and actually get all of my true emotions down without judgment. Um, and that helped me become more open with other people about how I was actually feeling. Um, but then there was the whole other people felt uncomfortable when I wasn't happy. Um, so would you like to speak on that? Um, other people, how do you, how do you deal with those people who haven't gone there yet? Can't admit anything other than happy. It's powerful what you're saying, right? I think, um, I, I, didn't, I actually wasn't aware of vulnerability until 2014. I was on a trip um, entrepreneurs event over in Mexico and it was three o'clock in the morning and um, this guy jumped on the bus. It's like we're all being transported back from this wealthy guy's hacienda where we're having tequila parties and you know, 400 people. It was just an incredible event. And he sits next to me. He says, hey, Paul, can I sit here? I said, do I know you? He's like, yeah, yeah, we met in Sydney a while back. And I said, oh, yeah, of course, have a seat. And he says to me, he says, can I give you a tip that will make you you know, three times more effective in life. So, man, of course, like just get real with me, yeah? yeah. I always like direct feedback. Like don't beat around the bush, don't cotton, you know, kind of sugarcoat it. Just get real with me. And uh, he said, look, you know, just just um, practice being vulnerable. I'm like, what do you mean? I couldn't understand it. He said, well, you know, when you came to this event, you look like the kind of guy who's you, you spent some time in special forces, you know, you look like a confident person, you're fit, blah, 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 all this stuff, right? And, you know, you had all these people coming up to you and you seemed like you're quite popular and blah, 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 blah. And, and I thought, I actually felt quite insecure. Not insecure, but I felt very nervous going to a new event where people had already been there. You know, mm-hmm. I was on my own, all that sort of stuff. And, um, but he said, you actually, you actually come across a bit intimidating. I said, why is that? I said, because that's not what I'm trying to do. He said, you, you, you just, it's hard for people to connect with you on a real level. I said, oh, why? He said, well, look at Superman. Superman's bulletproof. If it wasn't for kryptonite, people couldn't connect with the, with the character and therefore Superman wouldn't be a success. So Lois Lane and kryptonite was his his two biggest vulnerabilities. And I really had to study that. I really had to study that concept of vulnerability because I couldn't comprehend it coming out of a, you know, construction, military, security. You know, vulnerability meant death. Vulnerability meant you're probably going to get killed. So it was, it was a paradigm shift. And for a lot of men, that, that's probably the case. So I had to study it. I, you know, Brene Brown does a talk on a TED talk on that. There's a lot of people talking about vulnerability, but essentially it's just connecting with your heart and going, you know what? It's okay if I'm a fucktard sometimes, if I've made a mistake. Yeah. But I learn from mistakes. Don't keep making the same mistake, but learn from it. And if someone says you did this and this is like, actually, yeah, I did. 
And how quickly does it dissolve things? They stop attacking you. They stop getting aggressive with you. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I did fuck up. Shit. Um, hey, all right, well, how can I do it better next time? That's it. There's no judgment in that. So I think that's a, a really big piece. And it's, it's, again, this ego and this expectation that men are supposed to be, you know, this, these perfect role models and not have emotions. Now, yeah. The biggest, biggest message we can, we can give to men is get in touch with your emotions, guys. Oh. You know, um, <laughs> get in touch with your emotions. And you know what? If your mates aren't going to listen to you, talk to your wife or a sister or a girlfriend or go get a female coach. Yeah. But those emotions are, you know, we're not robots. We behave like robots at times. And this, is, this whole thug mentality when, we're, when a lot of kids are young <clears throat> causing trouble and because why? They just want to feel connection. They want to feel certainty that they've got a little bit of influence. They want to feel all these different things. But the most powerful thing in the world is when we're connected to our heart. So you can do a heart-mind synchronization. Just take deep breaths into your heart for two minutes. That's it. Just a deep, you know, seven, eight seconds in, seven, eight seconds out, really slow breathing into your heart. Actually, actually breathe into your heart space to connect with your heart. Mm. And I find that to be so powerful just for two minutes. And do that before you go on a phone call and do it before you walk in the door to talk to your wife. Do that before you've got a difficult conversation to have and just know that, okay, whatever challenge you're going through right now, if you can show up heart-centered, you're going to get through it and grow as a person. And guess what? If you grow as a person, you're going to be more successful. It's just, it's just constantly stacking this success in every level. Mm. So that's, um, that's all I can say about vulnerability for this point in time, but it, it's powerful. I know exactly what you're talking around, for both on, from a personal level, but also now being more aware of someone who's vulnerable and someone who's not. Uh, when I go to talk to someone and it might be even staff members and they're like, you're like, Is, what's happening? What's the problems? No, everything's all good. And it's like, how can everything be all good all the time? Like, it's not, it's not all good. What are you hiding? You know, like, and you start to, you start to think like this person doesn't want to be honest with me. So I can't be honest with them. It doesn't create a safe place. Um, and that's where I think a lot of coaches have caused a lot of, um, problems for the industry because they, they do just make people feel insecure. They're like, no, it's not me. It's you. <laughs> You're the problem. Um, and it's rather than being vulnerable and actually showing what it's really like. Um, and I think that's, you know, it's really obvious for someone who's worked on themselves and, and can be honest with themselves around their own feelings when you're talking to someone who's not vulnerable at all and it makes you feel a little bit skeptical. Um, so you can imagine what customers, you know, new leads and these other people get from a feeling about you if you haven't done the work. So if you really want to grow your businesses, you have to, you have to be able to be open with people and, and know that it's okay to make mistakes as well. Even on the job, like if you made a mistake, just be honest about it. They'll, they'll go, that's okay. Thanks for being honest. Let's work to resolve that. Like you said, um, you've built a really great relationship with that person and partnering up on some projects that those opportunities don't open up if you weren't vulnerable about it. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's a really powerful thing that people underestimate in terms of how is this actually going to help me in business? Like, you know, I think it's it's one of the biggest things that's going to help you in business and life. You know, and I'll mention that too. On, on there's this, we're all broadcasting 
through the invisible field constantly. Yeah, everything is frequency. If you break down the atom, what is the atom? It's just a certain frequency spinning at a certain rate. They've actually discovered that, right? So mm. it's just it's all just energy in motion. That's it. So we're always broadcasting a signal. And if we're incongruent with ourselves and we're not following what's most authentic and real for us, we're broadcasting this chaos into the field. Mm. And people pick up on that. They can't articulate what it is, but they just get a feeling that, oh, this is, don't trust this person. Their intentions could be off, which comes across. And this is where, again, we can start to tap into our intuition. Again, it's something that, uh, you know, men don't do that. That's a bit gay or whatever it is. But in reality, that's why a lot of women are so much more powerful and can sense these things because they're more connected to their heart. And if, you, if anyone wants to look at Heart Math Institute, go and, go and search that. There's some amazing videos. They actually teach. There's a lot of science to say that, you know, our heart is, a, is thousands of times more powerful as a communication tool than our brain. And the intuition all comes from the heart. So if we aren't scared of that, if we want to actually power up ourselves to be kind of superhuman, it's, it's, it's again, it's a, not something that men typically do, but the most powerful men, and I say most powerful in terms of powerful, authentic leaders, um, tap into the heart. And if you look at you know, most of the successful speakers you've ever heard or people on stage or TED Talks or even just superheroes in movies, the one thing they've all got in common is the vulnerabilities they disclose and that builds the connection. So, you know, it's not something to be ashamed of. It's something to be proud of because that's what's going to make you real. And you look at someone who's vulnerable with their clients versus just a, someone who's a complete tool with, um, with no vulnerability, they're typically not going to be as, as successful in, in life in general. So um, very, very um, understated. Can't, can't express the importance of that enough, can we? Man, I think um, I think that's one of the biggest things that you know people can work on to to actually unlock the superpower. You know, like uh, better relationships, better connection, better connection with wife, better connection with husband, better connection with kids, better connection with friends, better connection with clients, better connection with staff. All of that happens when you've you've broken down that barrier and and able to speak the truth. And when you were saying that about the TED Talks and the way that these people really connect on a global scale, well, those people there are no different to the sole trader, tradie starting his own business, you know. The difference is they've come to a place and they've worked through um, to a point where they can be vulnerable about themselves and it's the hero's journey that they're telling, yeah. you know. Like I thought it was this, then this happened and I went down here and I've come up here. And, um, you know, I think some of the most inspiring stuff that I've talked around as well is like, hey, you guys are sole traders, you're wondering what it's like when you're like the level that I'm at and you've got 50 staff and you've got, you know, all this money and whatever. It's the same as what you are now. It's just different. You know, it's, I had to do the work on myself, but for me, it just took so many, many years more because I didn't admit a lot of stuff. Um, early on and so i just like to encourage the guys early on that you know it's okay to be vulnerable because that's when you learn you know that's when you can take in that's when you become a true student it's when you go i don't know this and your whole brain opens up ready to capture information versus i know this already so instead of i know this it's like what can i learn from this even though it's something that you might have learned it's just a mindset shift absolutely man 
And I'll share a quick story about an incident that happened with my dad when I was younger. I was like probably 24 and, um, you know, narcissist, right, because he's grown up in an environment where he was never enough, so therefore he's always trying to be better, right? Wasn't consciously aware of it though, right? So I don't, no grudges against him. That's, that's the, the world he grew up in. So once a child hits sort of 14, 15, they start to develop their own consciousness. So the, the child clashes with the parent. That's this constant butting of heads. This, it's the ego because it's threatening the parent. Right? A, lot of, a lot of guys go through this. A lot of girls go through this with, with their mums. So I remember one night I said to my dad, I said, Dad, look, you know, you've got an opinion. I've got an opinion. Who's right? And he's like, well, I don't know. I said, right, they're just opinions. I said, the objective reality is somewhere in the middle. I said, but you see the world through a certain filter and a certain lens because of the experiences you've had and a lot of it's based on fear i see greenfield opportunities i see you know all these other things and what you see so they're both real for us but what's the objective reality an event happened and you made it mean this i made it mean that i said so rather than forcing your opinion on people why can't we just have another discussion about how do you see the world versus how do i see the world and instead of getting on your high horse and saying that you are you are right you are right you are right no one's going to respect your opinion unless you can actually respect others' opinions. Mm. And I said to him, and this is, this is the part that melted him, I said, Dad, I love you. And I looked at him and I, it was really heartfelt. I said, Dad, I actually really love you and I want to have a great conversation and these great talks with you. I said, um, so can we put our egos aside and can we put our opinions aside and this having to be right and just hear each other? Mm. And honestly, it was like a sledgehammer to the heart. It just broke him down completely. Mm. He stayed up for, for hours that night and um, obviously he was crying and whatnot and couldn't show that, of course, but that changed everything. Mm. So if we have more of those conversations and I call it the love sandwich, right? You can have a lesson, but you know, if you're having to, you know, if you're having a fight with your, with your spouse or your employees or maybe not your, maybe not your employees, but your, your spouse or your parents, whatever it is, right? And you've got to discipline them. Or you've got to bring up a difficult conversation. You've always got to wrap the love around it mm. because that's that's what's real, you know. And it's it's now you're leaving your ego at the door. You know, you've done something. This is how it made me feel. Some of that might be my own shit, you know, but I do love you, and I want to actually resolve this. And that's so powerful because then people don't feel like they're being accused. They don't feel like victims. They don't feel like, you know, it's you're, you're trying to make them wrong. Yeah. It's just an expression. And I think those having those conversations and obviously you're doing that in your courses, Greg, which is fantastic. Just we, we do more of that, yeah, especially mm. as men. You know, we don't, um, school doesn't teach us this crap, right? No, it doesn't. It's just like whatever. And, and, and most guys, you know, I remember in the military, I was doing um, Latin dancing and uh, guys were like, oh, Shippo, you're fag. You know, what the fuck are you doing that for? I said, well, you know what, guys? Um, there's four, for, you four sit there drinking beer all night getting smashed, talking the same shit, which is all ego. I go and dance with 30 girls and have some great conversations and learn and grow as a person. So I don't know what's more gay. And yeah. not that there's anything wrong with being gay, but it was this, this old school thinking and this ego that it's just like, guys, you know what? That's really unevolved, like really, really unevolved. So do things that fill you up. Yeah, dance fills me up. It's, it's a way of, and if you look at animals, how do they let go of stress through breath? And you look at lions after they have a fight or animals, they'll shake it out. But humans don't do that. It's one of the best things to release stress. You have a fight with someone, you get the adrenaline pumping, spend five or 10 minutes just jumping around and shaking it out because the stress does build up in the body and crystallizes and becomes hard 
and that's how they get sick. And as, as you mentioned earlier with the smoke going into your heart, similar concept, we're actually storing energy gets stored in the body and stress gets stored in your body. Emotions get stored in the body. And that's something I learned at 22. You know, running a security company, I had a guy, this big Maori dude with tats from head to toe, always had guns on him doing all this crazy work, but he was a healer. And I said, what? A healer? One of the guys broke his wrist one day and the next day it was fixed. And I said, how on earth did you do that? I couldn't believe it. And eventually he was quite secretive about it. Eventually he let me in and, and showed me that, um, took me out to see a family out in Blacktown. Like just imagine, you know, Once for Warriors, Jake the Moss, if you remember that movie, yeah. just really hard and, and just this, a lot of violence and anger and um, this family. And he did this healing work on them and he ripped out all the trauma of the body, literally. And I, and I, I could see what he was doing physically and the guy that is working on was screaming in, in, in emotional trauma, not physical pain, but emotional trauma. And then a month later, this guy, he just looked like a different person. His gut disappeared, everything. And that's when I kind of realized, okay, there's, there's more to this reality than what I can see. And I didn't delve into it at the time because it was just like, well, I'm 22. This is all too far out there. Ignored it, but, but now I understand it because I've had so many instances and met so many people, but we do, we do store trauma in the body and uh, we need to release that. And talking about it, breath work, exercise, shaking it out, dance. There's a, there's a number of ways we can get rid of that. And I think it's a big part of, for us as men too, is, is this longevity. How do we manage our state? How do we manage our emotions and not be afraid to actually sit with them and talk about them and let things out? Because again, we're going to show up as better fathers for our kids. We're going to show up as a better husband for our wives. We're going to show up as a, as a better leader in our business if we can manage all those things and not be afraid of them. And mm -hmm. um, they're the people that others respect. You know, look yeah. at the most effective leaders. They're not, they don't rule with an iron fist. That only works in the military. But the most effective leaders are, are compassionate, they're heartfelt, they're, they're in touch with their emotions, they understand people, they come from a place of love. Sure, they can be hard still, but if they're loving at the same time, you know, people will follow you a lot more. So um, I'll leave you with that. Yeah, I think just to end with on this, because I think this is a really important point, is just your most authentic self which means that you're just living your true self, whoever you are, whatever you like, wherever you like doing it, you know, that's when you'll get a sense of fulfillment and shine. Like you'll shine and everyone will see it. For me, it was singing publicly for so long and I couldn't sing. Like going to all boys school as well, choir boys were not cool. So like, so I didn't, so I didn't, I wasn't, I wanted to be cool. So I didn't go in the choir, even though I love singing. And, and so I had this, you know, thing holding me back for so long and I stopped doing, I got into a band after school and started performing and stuff like that, but then started my business and they all got put to the side. And it was like seven years of running the business, just a hundred percent focused on the business. I sort of relationships, music, everything was just not done because all I did was business. And then um, I felt like something was missing and I, one day I picked up the guitar again and I went, man, why did I stop doing this? <laughs> like, and then I started to incorporate it into our marketing and now we're known as the singing electrician, you know, globally. So, um, and, uh, and everyone is very shareable because I'm being my authentic self. Like I'm dancing and singing and doing silly stuff, you know, and I love doing that and that's my authentic self and I think everyone can see it and that's why it's so successful. So I think everyone has their thing and I just want to encourage everyone to do 
whatever that is because that's your purpose here too too as well so powerful greg such a perfect way to wrap this up <laughs> yeah i appreciate your time paul thanks so much for joining us man that's been a really powerful session i hope everyone has actually opened their hearts and listened to this today and got something really tangible they can take away and start start being honest with yourself like it's it's something you're going to be able to leverage for the rest of your life you know um any final words no thank you and I, I thanks for the audience for listening and thanks for sharing too greg it's been a pleasure and um hope someone gets some value out of this somewhere yeah so definitely you. would thanks mate see you later